Hi, Megan. Hey, Melissa. Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? Uh, fine. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing better now. I just got over COVID. And so I have a newfound zest for life. Cause I'm finally feeling better after like two weeks of being down and out. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm super excited that I'm talking to you again, because a lot has happened since the last time we spoke and Okay. So for those listening who don't know, I interviewed Megan before. Um, when was that? It was a while ago. It's been a hot minute. Yeah. It was like several months ago, I think. And, um, that interview was about how you self-diagnosed yourself autistic. And then you undiagnosed yourself because you were like, no, no, this isn't right. And, uh, that episode has, um, a lot of people contacted me about that episode because they were like, oh my gosh, I was so sure I was autistic. And then I listened to that episode with Megan and now I just don't know. And I'm like, oh no, I didn't want to frighten people away from their own diagnosis. That wasn't the point of that episode, like at all. The point was just to kind of show, you know, that it it is a really difficult thing to it's like a difficult conclusion to come to. And it's not always a linear process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have an exciting update for us that I think people will be happy to hear. Yeah. So I am self-diagnosed autistic again, uh, because I, yeah, I know if you listened to that past episode and you were like, okay, I was so sure I was autistic. And then I listened to Megan talk and she like, was so sure she wasn't autistic. I don't know shit. Like I do, but I don't. How do I explain this? Like I have done so much research on autism. I've taken so many assessments. I have talked to so many people about it. And it's not that I don't know anything about autism or I don't know anything about my own brain because I do. And that's why self-diagnosis is so valid. But I probably because I'm autistic, I am a deeply obsessive person. And that means I sometimes get hooked on labels that aren't correct. Like that has happened to me in the past. Um, and so I was just very worried when I first self-diagnosed myself as autistic. I, I mentioned it to my therapist at the time and she said she didn't really see that uh, in me. And I wanted so badly to just not be obsessive Megan who's caught up on labels. Like I wanted so badly to be good and to be correct that I was like, okay, if she doesn't see it, I'm just gonna listen to her. And I'm not autistic, I guess. Um, and I came up with all these reasons and all this stuff, but I think at the end of the day, it was really just so that I could be good in her eyes. Um, and I had to stop seeing that therapist for a whole bunch of other reasons, but, um, that really had nothing to do with that. But then as soon as I stopped seeing her, I was like, oh, maybe I am autistic. So that's sort of what clued me into the fact that I was people pleasing and like trying to be what she thought I was. Um, because as soon as I stopped seeing her, all the autism thoughts came back and I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe I am autistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is that kind of how it happened? You just sort of, you gave up on it 
because of someone else's opinion but then really when you came back to yourself and your own like thought processes and stuff it was like oh wait like this really does seem to fit yeah that that's pretty much exactly what happened like as soon as we weren't seeing each other anymore and I didn't need her approval and validation I started thinking and I don't know just realizing that a lot of the I fit the criteria. I just like point blank. I fit the criteria. So, right. And like, so that's the thing is the criteria is spelled out pretty plainly. It's like, you can look at it and be like, yeah, that sounds like me, but it's so wild how other people's opinions can influence, especially when I feel like there is, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but, um, there was a lot of like fear um, and shame around like the prospect of diagnosing myself with something that I didn't have. I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm making a big deal out of this thing that I don't even have, like how embarrassing and like, I'm just going to feel so dumb. And like, I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in that, like, well, what if I'm not, what if I'm not, what if I'm not sort of thing and then all it takes is one person to be like no you're not and then it sort of like validates that fear for you and you're like oh my god I guess no one else sees it I guess I'm not like it's a really dangerous thing because these people who are in positions of power basically these therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists who are not informed and who are just being like oh you're not over in the corner playing with trains or obsessing about dinosaurs. Like you're, you're not autistic or like the, the recent therapy appointment I had where the woman was like, Oh no, you can't, there's no way you could be autistic. You've been married. And I'm like, uh, what? I don't think that that's on the criteria. Um, no, <laughs> if you look at the DSM there, it's not like, oh, person must not have ever been married or had a relationship. She was like, oh, you know, people with autism usually don't, don't end up getting married and, and don't really have relationships like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and this is like a trained mental health professional. And I was just like, wow, okay. Uh, but um, I will say that after that episode aired, some people did comment to me about like, oh my gosh, that episode scared me. But other people were like, wait, no, I listened to that episode and that lady is definitely autistic. And you should like, <laughs> and you should like email her and be like, lady, I know you're trying to like be careful, but you're autistic. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of got that vibe from you too. Um, but I'm like, she knows herself. So if she doesn't think she is, then we have to you know, trust what you say. But again, in my mind too, I was like, yeah, that sounded like a lot of autistic things that you were, that you were talking about on the last episode. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, okay. So there are so many lenses through which we can view every single experience that we have. And I think at the end of the day, for me, the autism lens is a helpful lens like looking at my life through the autistic lens, it makes sense and it makes me feel understood and it puts things into a context that makes sense. Um, 
But I think it's also possible to look at me through a different lens, like a therapist who is trained specifically primarily in depression and anxiety and to see that, you know, so it just, I think our behaviors look different depending on what lenses you're looking through. And that doesn't mean that there's no objectivity at all. It's just that diagnosis is a really subjective experience. And I'm learning to come to terms with that. I can't tell you how desperately I wish there was like a blood test I could just take and it would just tell me what the freak is wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) That would be lovely. If someone could invent that, that would be great. Um, I know, I feel like there is a place um, that I heard about up in the Bay Area, uh, California, that does do like brain scans and things like that, but it costs multiple thousands of dollars. And I'm like, well, that can't really just be the answer for all of us who are out here wondering. So we're just going to have to rely on, yeah, mostly our subjective data. Um, but there is some objectivity to it also, because I'm sure the people around you who have known you for a while, I mean, what's your family's reaction and your husband, wait, you're married, right? Mm-hmm, I am. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you're married. So no, you can't be autistic, I guess. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <laughs> no. Um, so my husband's point of view very much is that he doesn't know anything about autism. Uh, mm-hmm. All he knows is like the Sheldon Cooper stereotypes. Okay. Um, that's, that's his education with autism. I mean, and he has gone through all the assessments with me. So he is, he's, he knows more than he thinks he knows because he is, I have had him look over these assessments and whatnot with me. Um, but his point of view is like, is sort of what you were saying. I trust you. If you have done your research and you think you're autistic, I'm on board. If you change your mind, I'm on board. Like he's very much like just wherever you're at, I'm there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's lovely. That's a good quality to have in a partner. It is. It's really nice. (laughs) And how about your family? So I find with family, it either goes like one of two ways. I think sometimes there are families who are like, no, you're not autistic, but maybe that's because your other families are also neurodivergent in some way. And they're like, your behavior isn't odd. You act like we all act like that. And it's like, well, no, maybe we're, that's because we're all autistic or your family members can be like, oh yeah, that makes sense for you. I can see that. Um, that's usually like the two most common things that I hear when it comes to like extended family, parents, siblings, all that. Yeah. I think I have, I haven't really talked to my family too much about it, so I'm not entirely sure what their opinions are. Uh I think my siblings are pretty much in the same boat as my husband where they're like, you know, you, um, which is good. Um, but I think I worry about my parents' reaction, which is why I haven't talked to them too much. Cause so background in college, I was convinced that I had bipolar disorder and, um, I went to a therapist and they diagnosed me with bipolar. I had that diagnosis for like five years and it turns out it was completely incorrect. Um, very inaccurate. And there's a pretty, uh, pretty, confident way to determine whether or not you have bipolar disorder, because if you are on only antidepressants and you have bipolar, um, you will probably experience hypomania or mania. And I have been on only antidepressants well, and an antipsychotic, but for a while it was just antidepressants and, um, yeah, no mania. So definitely not bipolar. <laughs> so that was clearly wrong. And so I have been wrong before. And 
I think in my parents' eyes, they love me so much. They just want my life to be easy. And that would mean no mental health diagnoses in their head. But unfortunately, that's just not the case for me. Like no matter what's going on, I obviously, I think it's autism right now, but um, even if, if that's not it, something is going on with my brain. Like yeah. the way my brain works is not neurotypical. <laughs> exactly. And I like how you say like, that autism lens is helpful. And I think that is a really good way to look at it. And I'm pretty sure you said that on, you did an episode on self-diagnosis that I think I shared on the Instagram, on my Instagram account, because I was like, oh, this is such a good episode about self-diagnosis and why it's valid. But I'm pretty sure you said that because it sounds familiar. How is this helpful to me to view myself through this lens? And it is. And if that's, as far as you ever get with it, like that's already, you know, a lot that's already coming really far because it's like, I don't know, for some people getting like a formal diagnosis is really important. I was one of those people, but that's just because I just knew that I just knew I needed it. I don't know. I've talked about it before on the podcast, so I don't need to go into that again, but like, I think for other people, just being able to be like, this diagnosis is, describes me perfectly and helps me understand things about myself that I didn't understand before. And like, I don't need anyone else to validate that or tell me like, yes, from my outside perspective, you are autistic. And I think it's really important to look at it that way too, as like, you know, you don't need a person to tell you if you're, if you have anxiety, you know, that you feel it, you know, the symptoms like, so I feel like autism is the same type of thing. If you research it enough, if you connect with it enough, if you, if you meet the criteria, like you said, um, you know, it's, it's been very much, I feel like self-diagnosis has been very much like demonized in certain circles or, you know, looked down upon at the very least. And I think that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I made an Instagram post last month, I think about self-diagnosis and oh boy, you should see some of those comments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People are angry about it. Um, and I think the people who are angry about self-diagnosis, uh, have an immense amount of privilege that they simply don't recognize, um, in that they have had very understanding and capable doctors. which is wonderful. And I'm, I don't begrudge them that I just want them to open their eyes and realize that not every doctor is like that. And just because they were recognized early on, or just because, uh, they had a capable doctor who understood autism doesn't mean that there aren't tons of doctors who have no idea what autism is and have no idea how it works. You know, your therapist and psychiatrist, you did those episodes. And I was like, yep, that tracks. That sounds right to me. Uh, my psychiatrist told me I couldn't be autistic because I wasn't rocking back and forth and rambling about dinosaurs. And I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm literally rocking back and forth right now. <laughs> so I was just masking in his office. That's all like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's just, it's so sad. I mean, the, the system is so broken. People who are supposed to know this info are grossly misinformed or underinformed. A lot of them, not all of them. I mean, obviously there are good clinicians out there, but, um, 
yeah, by and large, it is a privilege thing. I'm one of those people. I, I'm very lucky. I only waited six months for my diagnosis. I qualified for a free diagnosis. I wouldn't have been able to pay thousands of dollars. Like the place I went through was wonderful and thorough and validating. And I'm just like, the more stories that I hear from people about their awful experiences with even trying to get diagnosed. One of my really good friends just went through this. Um, and she finally ended up getting her autism diagnosis, but she had to fight to even get um, referred and to get taken seriously and to get an appointment with someone. And it was like, man, if I would have had to do all that, I think I probably would have given up. I was really proud of her. I'm like, you're advocating for yourself really well, because for someone like me who gets discouraged easily or it might have made me change my mind and be like, well, never mind. No one thinks I'm autistic. So maybe I'm not like, um, but she like fought for it and was finally able to see a decent provider who was able to thoroughly assess her. I'm going to have her on the podcast too soon. Cause I think her, her story is really important, but it just happens to so many people, especially women or people who were assigned female at birth or raised female um it's just such a bias it's terrible I think it's even happening to men too though I think so I think there's a lot of like gendering going on in the Mm -hmm. autism world where it's like there's male autism and then there's female autism and it's like well probably not like first of all that entirely ignores non-binary people second of all like which is ridiculous and then second of all like I think a lot of Uh, boys and men experience the quote-unquote female version of autism, they're just also getting missed. I think autism presents in different ways, and we just have a very narrow view of, like, there's one way autism presents, but in reality, it's a neurodevelopmental condition, and development is going to differ on a lot of different factors, which means the way it presents is going to look completely different in a lot of different people, and that doesn't mean it's a different condition. It's the same condition. It just is impacted by context, just like any other condition. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And when I first started researching about autism and like autism in women and all of that, I was like blown away because it sounded so much like me. And then I was like, oh, I had it in my head, like, oh, well, this is the female presentation. But then the more people who are autistic, who I started talking to who were male, who were like, oh no, like I present just like you. And you're right. It's just because there are, there are different ways that people present with autism and it doesn't necessarily mean it's according to gender. Um, but I think the people who present more similarly to you or I, um, they, they get missed, like you said. And I mean, (laughs) I feel like you're, if you're what the quote, if you're the quote unquote high functioning person, which we all know that that label's bullshit, but like, I'm just going to use it for, for context purposes here. Um, I feel like you get the shit end of the stick because for one, you're not believed for two. If you are believed, people don't really think you have struggles at all and tend to not believe you when you do try and tell people your struggles you sort of get gaslit out of everything. They're like, oh, you're doing fine. 
But then if you are the quote unquote lower functioning autistic person, then you get treated like an infant, like a baby, like a person who doesn't know anything, you know, it's like the totally opposite. Like maybe you can't, you can't do anything. So it's like people view it very like black and white of like, there's either this type or this type. And yeah, I don't really know how to get around that or get away from it, but it's just pervasive out there, these ideas about autism. And it does cause so many people to either get missed altogether or not be believed or be pigeonholed into these certain stereotypes that don't fit. Right. Yeah. I just, I think like we could make so much progress if we started by just assuming competence. Like that's something I, and that's not something I like made up. It's something that I've seen in the autism community is like assume competence, Mm -hmm. but also like believe people when they talk about their limitations. It has, you have to have both, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what are some of your limitations or some things that maybe, I don't know if anything has changed for you since you've officially like Mm self-diagnosed, if you've been able to implement anything into your life or create some boundaries or advocate for yourself in any new ways, like, has anything really changed for you now that you've kind of accepted this and, and sort of proclaimed it (laughs) to the world? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think my husband told me something a while ago that like, I think will help a lot of people. So I want to share it, but I was really nervous about self-diagnosing again, because I was like, I already did this and I was wrong. And what if I'm wrong again? And all this stuff. And he, he looks at me, he's like, Megan, whether or not you're autistic has nothing to do with anybody else, except for you. Like you don't need to come out or not come out or whatever based on what you think other people are going to think. Like this has to be about you and your needs and what's going to help you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's really helpful. The, that's the biggest thing that's changed for me is that like I accommodate myself now. Like I just, I do what feels most helpful. Uh, instead of doing what feels most normal, because I'm autistic. I don't really know what's normal anyway. I'm just guessing. So (laughs) um, why struggle with that guessing game when I could just do what makes me feel most comfortable in the moment and, and what feels like safe, I suppose, like emotionally safe. I'm very lucky. I'm always very physically safe, Um, but it can be emotionally very like risky to like stim in public, for instance, or, um, I don't know, stuff like that. So I guess I'm trying to think of what I've done to accommodate myself. A big thing is just like stimming more when I'm alone. Uh Um, I still struggle to do that, like in public and stuff, because it's like, well, I I don't really need to stim. Like I'm fine. And it's like, okay, but you would feel better. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that, that's been a big accommodation for me is just when I'm home and I'm stressed or I'll just start hand flapping or I will, I, I twirl my hair constantly cause it's just a very comforting stim. Um, I rock back and forth a lot, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, me too. It I'm going great. side to side. And right. you're going, we're like both, I didn't realize I was doing it until you just said that. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm, and I'm over here doing this below where you can't see the, this is oh, one of yep, my yep. things I that I do. my fingers. I'm messing with my thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I'll catch myself doing things in public. And whereas I used to, if I would catch myself, I would stop. Whereas now I'm like, you know, if I, if I'm doing this with my hands while someone's talking and just like, usually I would be like, oh, that's weird. And like, put my hands away and be like, Ugh. but now I just let my, I'm like, who cares? Like I'm twiddling my fingers around, like right. my, my body wanted to do that. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I also forgive my own awkwardness a lot more. Like I used to get really <laughs> like embarrassed and hard on myself after like an awkward interaction I would be like god what is the why did you say that what is the matter with you why can't you be regular like and now I'm just like mm, eh, that was awkward oh well like exactly. I'm I don't even know what I'm talking about sometimes like I don't know how to be it's fine I think like being able to give yourself a little bit more forgiveness and grace in certain situations. Whereas before you would have been a little bit harder on yourself because I think it's easy to be hard on yourself when you don't know why certain things about you are the way they are. And I think it, that's why diagnosis, either self-diagnosis or formal diagnosis is so important. Just knowing yourself and being able to therefore allow these certain things into your life that before you may have like rejected or suppressed because you were like this is weird I don't know why I do this I don't know why I think this way I don't know why I am this way and now you just be like oh oh that's like my podcast name oh that's just my autism it's fine like (laughs) like, that is exactly how I came up with the name for the podcast because all of the things that were dawning on me at first where I was like oh that's just my autism like that's all it is it's no big flaw I'm not damaged I'm not broken I'm not you know it's just autism and it's not a big deal yeah exactly yeah I think like that's been a huge part of my self-diagnosis like one of the huge benefits of it is just like giving myself permission to be me Mm -hmm. I guess um and whatever that, whatever that looks like, even if that's, I don't know what I always thought was weird. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm really glad you came around. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think, I don't know. It, I tried to like have a lot of grace for past me, you know, like she was just doing her best with the information she had. Uh, but yeah, she was wrong. I'm, I'm definitely autistic. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know. I just, I think it's a really great realization to come to. It answers so much. And for people who are angry about it or hate that certain people are self-diagnosed, I don't know why that's a thing. I don't know what it's taking away from them. No one's hurting anyone by diagnosing themselves with autism. Um, I did see a post the other day. I don't remember who posted this on Instagram, but it was a conversation that they had in the comments of one of their posts. And someone was really angry about them being autistic. And I don't, I can't remember if they were self-diagnosed or what, but they were like, you're just saying you're autistic to get 
um, checks from the government every month. And she was like, what? (laughs) They were like, yeah, you're getting your, your money for being autistic. And I was like, wait a minute, we get money for being autistic. Where is my check? I have not been getting my check. I get back pay since August. Cause that's when I got diagnosed, please. Like, I was just like, do people really think that autistic people get government checks every month? Like that's ridiculous. Right. And so I think there's a lot of misinformation out there where people are like, uh, people who say they're autistic are like getting something. And it's like, really, no, we're not getting anything. I wish we were. I feel like we deserve some stuff, but no, no, nobody's getting anything extra. Um, nothing of value that other people who don't need those things would want, like accommodations at work or, you know, accommodations at school. Like who's mad about that? Who's- yeah. I get a lot of comments saying that I, uh, say that I'm autistic for clout on the internet. <laughs> and I'm like, They're like, yeah, you're just, this is just your platform and you've just decided that you're this so that you can get like attention basically, which to be honest, hits home for me because I am very much someone who like grew up with some invalidation and gaslighting. And so attention is really important to me. Um, So those comments always sort of gut me a little bit, but I also know that like if I wanted to do stuff for attention, there's other stuff I could do, you know, like being autistic is not like the most attention grabby thing in the world. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's so dumb. When people say that it's like, why would I want this kind of attention? Like if you're going to try and get attention for something, why would you choose autism? Like what? I don't understand. Like, it's not like a, it's not a cool thing to be obviously because there are a lot of people out there who will give you a lot of hate for it. So I I just don't, there's no logic there behind that thinking. It's just totally idiotic. It it makes me so mad because I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it's, this isn't something that anyone is trying to glamorize. And I feel like that gets misconstrued too by people like us who are talking about autism um, in an open way, sometimes people are like, oh, well, you're trying to glamorize it or whatever. And it's like, no, but just because I'm not sitting here talking about how horrible it is 24 seven, you know, I do talk a lot about the struggles that I have, but there are times when it's like, well, let's talk about like the cool things that come along with autism. And, uh, I don't think anyone's trying to glamorize or glorify anything, I think we're just trying to like live our lives as normal people (laughs) and in every life and in every neurotype, there are good and bad things that come along with that. And to be able to talk openly and honestly about things with other people who can relate to you, that's a really like special thing, especially if you're a person who has spent your whole life feeling like you don't really relate to anyone. Right. Exactly. And I think so many people get this confused where they think, um, seeing a happy autistic person means that you're romanticizing or glamorizing autism when really that's your own internalized ableism telling you that you think all autistic people should be miserable. Yeah. Like it's not true. We're just people like, of course, sometimes we're going to be miserable and sometimes we're not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, we're also human and that's 
what happens when you're human? Like, yeah. Okay. So I want to tell people where to find you online if they don't already know. Um, You have a lovely podcast called the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. That is awesome. And you talk about all things neurodivergent, which I think is cool. Yeah, absolutely. I have guests on the podcast all the time so that I can talk about, talk with them about neurodivergent conditions that I don't experience because I'm uh, autistic and I experience depression. So those are my neurodivergencies, but I have lots of ADHD folks on there. Some folks with dis- uh, dyslexia, I believe, and uh, learning disabilities and a couple other neurodivergencies. So yeah, yeah come check out the podcast. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. I love your podcast and you have such a good podcast voice. Thank you. (laughs) And you're on Instagram and TikTok. I'll put your info in the show notes so people can find you, but you create a lot of cool content and I always enjoy your videos and your kiddos sometimes in the background. And I'm like, see, she's just a regular mom just making TikToks. Exactly. And he knows now too. So anytime I go in the office, he's like, mommy making TikToks. I'm like, yeah, buddy, mommy's making TikToks. Oh, <laughs> how cute. Um, okay. Well, it's been a little while. It's been a good amount of time we've been talking. So I'll wrap it up and let you go. As you know, I'm horrible at goodbyes and wrapping up episodes. So I will awkwardly attempt to do that now. And <laughs> thank you so much for coming back on and telling us your good news about yeah, your thank you so much for having me it's nice yes. to update people <laughs> yeah and I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear your news and relieved that maybe you uh finally came to the right conclusion yes yes all right thank you